When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Hey guys, welcome to the Mission Podcast. I'm your host, Jameer Howerton. And as always, we have a cool show for you. It's week five in the NFL, and there is so much to unpack over the next 30 minutes or so. Well, joining us on the mission today, he is considered by many to be the premier offensive tackle during his 13 seasons of play, all with the Cincinnati Bengals. Check this out, guys. He even caught seven passes and scored four touchdowns on tackle eligibility plays. Okay, please <laughs> welcome to the mission offensive lineman of the year in 1981, 87 and 88. Mr. Anthony Munoz is joining us right here on the mission. Anthony, welcome, sir. Jameer, great seeing you. It's good being with you, man. It's been a while. Oh, it's been a while, and I'm so excited for today to talk a little football, um, to, 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 to just reintroduce you to the mission because we got some new segments, Anthony, our Hall of Famer NFL player watch list. We had the Hall of Famer hot seat, but of course, we're going to dive in and talk about week five of the NFL and talk about some of the premier matchups just to get your take. But before we jump in, man, I can't help but to notice 1980. Round one, third selection. Talk about those numbers and what it meant to you and how did you find out that you being selected in the first round? Well, those numbers, Jameer, are very significant for me. And, uh, you know, of course, Didi and I were married my sophomore year in college. So for both of us, uh, you know, first round, third selection, 1980 of the NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, that year it was the Lions number one, the Jets two, Bengals three, and the Packers four. And all the experts have pretty much written me off. Uh, a lot of people just look at the body of work, you know, with the Bengals, the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, but, you know, college was some adversity. You know, I had three knee operations, one my freshman, junior. Then my senior year going into that draft, I only played one game. I got hurt the second time we had the football, the first game, first quarter. Had surgery, rehabbed, and I was determined to play in at least one, one Rose Bowl because we'd been in two and I'd yet played one. So... You know, 1980 was cool because I came back uh, healthy, played the entire Rose Bowl game January of 1980 as we beat uh, Ohio State in the final minutes of the game. And then, again, after I played that one game, the only game my senior year, people said, hey, nice way to finish a college career. You you know, check something out else, you know, else out, do something else. Football's not in your, your future. But I just kept uh, – Kept grinding and kept getting ready, and uh, all it took was one team, and the Bengals drafted me and gave me a chance, and here we are, you know, 42 years later, uh, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and uh, just still loving Cincinnati. We're living here, and I'm very thankful for Paul Brown, the Brown family, and you have to understand, I'm sure there's a lot of Bengals fans scratching their head when they took me with that third pick, probably thinking, this guy can't even stay healthy a full season. And, uh, you know, it was great, you know, starting 13 years for him. And uh, like I said, Cincinnati's home now. Chief Football Relationships Officer for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Another title on the list <laughs> of many of being a great father, a great grandfather, a pro football Hall of Famer, a, 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 a love of Jesus Christ, a lover of Jesus Christ and more than that. But. The Chief Football Relationship Officer. How's this new position been, and what are some of the great things that you're doing with the Hall? Well, it's amazing. You mentioned that, and uh, you, 
you know, you look back to the beginning of this year, 2022, and I would have never uh, thought uh, I'd have a new title, uh, that I'd have a new job. I mean, you know, here's one, you know, I'm I'm kind of paring things down. Didi and I are eliminating what we're going to be doing at the beginning of this year. And then all of a sudden the hall decides to come up with this new position and my name starts getting nominated. And I'm thinking, well, let's just look at this position. What's this all about? And I, you know, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I got the, the job description and started going through every paragraph and I was writing notes. And I said, I've been doing this for 20, 25 years. And I said, I think I'm going to throw my name into the uh, the process here. And it was a, a pretty intensive process. We started out with quite a few names. Uh, Corn Ferry was hired as a search group. And, you know, I got to tell you, I came to Cincinnati as a 21-year-old and just stepped out on the field, tried to earn a job. This was the first time that I interviewed for a job. I mean, here I am sitting here at 63 years old, interviewing for a job, hour and a half with Corn Ferry, hour and a half with the seven-person committee from the board. And when it was all said and done, you know, they offered me the job. And I said, you know what? I love everything about the Hall. My fellow Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame staff, board of directors, Canton. I said, and that's what this job's all about, is really representing everything about the Hall. And they offered me the job. A couple things. They said, you don't have to relocate. So that was good. You know, we got nine grandkids down here. So that's good. Um, you know, I have a foundation. No disruption, interruption with your foundation. But, you know, it's a... It's pretty intense. And uh, I said, I'd like it. You know, they offered me the job. I said, I'll take it. I'll be working directly with Jim Porter, the new president. Love the guy. I love what's going on with the hall. I love what he's doing there. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm excited about building some relationships with. I think a lot of people assume that we had as a Pro Football Hall of Fame. And mainly, you know, Jim and I have already started going around and meeting a lot of the owners. And we've just started with a handful. But we're our goal is to go around and you know, sit and talk with all 32, man. It's just like, let's go. And we need a relationship with all these guys. And I've enjoyed it so far. And there's other, you know, companies we're meeting with and other things we're doing. Uh, just trying to, you know, keep the Hall of Fame going and doing what we should be doing. And, you know, first, uh, first and foremost, you know, honoring the greats of the game and making sure. And, and, I, and I really believe that's what Jim did this last Hall of Fame uh, induction weekend mm -hmm. is that, we brought back some events that it was just the Hall of Famers, their families and, and the staff and just, you know, really reconnecting because a lot of guys, we don't see each other for a year. And right. come back to Canton for that weekend to introduce and to welcome the new class. So I'm excited about this new role. And I'm excited, like I said, about working with Jim Porter and uh, representing everything that's great about the Hall of Fame. And to me, that's everything. Well, we're part of the Centene team, and yep. it's just so honored to, you know, be a part of, you know, the Hall of Fame team with you, sir. And, you know, you talked about the enshrinement. Right after the enshrinement, you had the 2023 finalists uh, for the, the, the coach and the seniors. And when I look at this list, I got to talk to you about a couple of names. Ken Riley, Joe Klecko, Chuck Howley and head coach Don Coriel. But let's start off with Ken Riley because he wore that Cincinnati Bengals uniform. Talk about he this. He did. I, I played with Kenny Riley for a couple of years before he retired. He was here. And then two, three years we played together. Just the ultimate pro, man. I tell you what, in the locker room, on the field, in the community, uh, if you come to a football team like I did in 1980 and we had some guys you look up to, Kenny Riley was one of those guys that we looked up to as young NFL football players because, like I said, the ultimate pro, the way he prepared, the way he – not to mention the way he played. I mean, he was <laughs> he was it on that, you know, that cornerback position. So, 
I'm excited that he's a finalist and uh, I got my arms wide open. You know, like this, just waiting for the Rattler, the Florida A&M Rattler. We call them the Rattler. And uh, it's exciting to see him on the finalist list. Joe Klecko, near and dear to my heart. I remember being a ball boy and just, you know, meeting Joe Klecko and, 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 and Mark Gastineau and Marty Lyons, the three members of that New York Sackage Stains. Um, Abdul Salam wasn't there when I was a ball boy. I was a kid growing on, growing up. But just Joe Klecko, you've been hearing so much noise in New York. Like, yeah. when's Klecko going to be there? D-tackle, nose guard, played all up and down that yep. defensive line. How tough was he, Anthony? Well, first of all, Abdul Salam was there when I when I traveled my second year to Shea Stadium. You know, back <laughs> in the multi-sports uh, stadium, we played in Shea Stadium. Gaston on one side, Plecko, Marty Lyons, Abdul Salam, Lance Mel. I mean, they they were loaded defensively. Joe Klecko, the strongest guy I ever played against. Uh, most versatile. I mean, you just mentioned it. All pro at nose tackle, all pro at DT, all pro at defensive end. The guy was had leverage, he had speed, he was smart. And I tell you what, when you kicked the ball off, you knew he was going to be there the first play and he was going to be there the last play of the game. The guy never missed a down. And uh, I tell you what, it was that was my second year when we went to Shea Stadium and we actually ended up uh, beating them 31-30. But I felt like I'd just been in a 15-round heavyweight fight with Muhammad Ali after that game. I <laughs> I needed some ice packs and some, you know, some rub downs. And Klecko was a man, man. He was, uh, he was, he was a great player. First and foremost, um, Anthony, I do have to apologize because you played in two raggedy stadiums, that Shea Stadium and the Cleveland Brown Stadium. Not this Cleveland Brown Stadium, but the old Cleveland Brown Stadium because they were that baseball. Lord, 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 Lord. So I, I apologize on that. But um, bringing up the rear, head coach Don Coriel, um. Talk about him. What do you remember about him and some of your colleagues around uh, uh, that played for him, your teammates that played for him? What did they talk about him? Well, let me let me just uh, share some memories. Eric Coriel, Dan Fouts at quarterback, Kellen Winslow at tight end, Wes Walker, uh, Wesley Walker, Charlie Joyner, um, you know, Chuck Muncie. I mean, just go on and on. I mean, they, they threw that ball around. They ran the ball. And that's what I remember. We played uh, – so we played them my rookie year out in San Diego. My second year, we played them out in San Diego, played them in the AFC Championship game. So I saw Eric Coriel three times my first two years, and he was an amazing coach, man. I tell you what. And you know, it's also amazing. Not only did I have a chance to play against them, but um, we're having a chance here. We, we just uh, inducting Isaac Curtis into the Bengals' ring of honor uh, this last week. And Isaac was actually a running back at Cal Berkeley. Isaac could have very easily been on the four by 100 Olympic team. He was that fast, but he transferred to San Diego state because he wanted to play wide receiver. And who was the head coach at San Diego state when Isaac transferred there, Don Coriel, of course, you know, had the pleasure of playing with Isaac Curtis and the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, I remember a lot about Don Coriel. I mean, it was uh, pretty intense from right here from the guys, but, his offense was just let's throw it around, score a lot of points, and mix the run in there now and then. And you think of the Dallas Cowboy legend, the men that donned that star, linebacker Chuck Howley. What do you recall of him and just hearing those stories about Chuck? Yeah, very, you know, a little bit, but not as much. Of course, they had guys right. like, you know, Two Tall Jones and, <laughs> you know, Harvey and 
you know, or Harvey Martin and Randy White. But then, you know, you got those linebackers that were pretty good, the kind of the glue to the defense. You had Charlie Waters and those guys in the backfield. Uh, but I remember him just being tough and, uh, you know, just like most of those inside linebackers, you know, back in the day. And uh, so Chuck Holly was one of those guys that, you know, brought it to work every day and was just tough. That doomsday defense, you know, it was uh, pretty well known. But I remember that you're watching him more when I was younger, high school and college, and, uh, you know, really playing against them. All right, Anthony. Well, let's chop it up, man. Let's look ahead to week five and talk about some of these primetime matchups. And I want to get your thoughts. You got the Thursday night matchup. The Colts travel to Denver to face the Broncos. Your take on that game? Well, of course, you know, Colts head coach, one of my favorite guys, Frank Reich. I've known Frank since his early playing days in the NFL. Uh, we play some golf in the offseason. You know, Indy's not that far from Cincy. So we usually get a couple guys and we do a uh, two or three round of golf before he's got to get to work. Of course, they have Matt Ryan, who was down in the Falcons. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they, they beat uh, the Chiefs. So they're, you know, they're capable of beating anybody. Of course, you have Russell Wilson now wearing that Bronco uniform. And uh, so, you know, it's an interesting matchup because, you know, I think both teams are capable of, of winning, you know, and beating good teams. So this is this be a great matchup. You know, it's, it's funny. I got to mention head coach of the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett. I was a freshman at USC, and our offensive coordinator was Paul Hackett. And there used to be a little boy about five, six years old that used to run around our practice field with the soccer ball, and that was Nathaniel Hackett. So uh, we go way back, and to see him as a head coach now is pretty cool. But uh, So that game should be a pretty good game. Sunday night, your Bengals travel to be more to face the Ravens. Woohoo! It's always a it's always a rumble. It's always a rumble, man. They're gonna bring the jungle up to the Ravens. Well, you know, and I'm sure one thing the Ravens will remember is last year. You know, Joe B put a few yards on that defense last year. You know, Lamar Jackson, and you know, they're always tough defensively. They're always tough, and it's just a, another tough road game in that AFC North. You know, our Bengals. Uh, I can say that with Joe Burrow, our defense has been playing pretty well. You know, every level, D-line, linebackers in the secondary. Uh, so hopefully, you know, with that defense the Ravens bring, that we can give uh, uh, Burrow enough time to to find some. I think we had a little bit of talent at wide receiver. So with Chase and Higgins and Boyd and, you know, so let Joe run the football. So I think it's going to be another one of those great AFC North matchups. And it's going to be a physical game. I got to tell you, Anthony, as a Jet fan, I didn't text you because I just cried, um, you know, but it was really good to see. I'm not going to lie. It was really good to see Joe start to clicking against that young uh, backfield, that young Jets backfield and kind of, you know, get the ball going and get that first win, you know, get that monkey off of his back. How important was that? That was very important going on the road and for our offensive line to block some pretty good defensive lines, line right. that the Jets have, you know, because that had been a struggle the first couple of weeks. So to give Joe some good time to, to work as a unit, you know, we got four new linemen up front and none of them have worked together prior to this year. So, you know, it's almost like, you know, this would be, you know, their fifth game and it's like no preseason together. So mm -hmm. they're, they're hopefully starting to gel now. And, uh, but that was good to see them against the Jets and do a nice job and give, Joe a chance to, to get that win in, in, in uh, the MetLife Stadium. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And lastly, Monday night, Ravens, excuse me, the Raiders travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. That's one of those rivalry games. You know, back to the, the Madden days, you know, the, 
the Matt Stork and you had, uh, you know, Bobby Bell and Buck Buchanan and, you know, the Raiders with, uh, you know, starting with the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, then the Snake Stabler and Cliff Branch. and all. So that, that goes back a long time. And, you know, I think that's a great matchup. You have, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes and that pretty good offense. You know, he has lost a, a pretty speedy receiver to the Dolphins, but I think they're still capable of putting some. Then you got Carr, you know, leading the way for the, for the Raiders and you got, uh, you know, they got one of Canton's own, you know, the head coach uh, McDaniel there. So I think it's going to, it's going to be an excellent football game. I, I, I think it's going to be hard for the Raiders to beat Kansas city in Kansas city. But uh, again, like those games, I talked about the old AFC central, the AFC North. I think that AFC West is pretty physical too. And mm. I expect this to be a physical game. Well, you know, also week five, um, not so much the Texans-Jags game, and no disrespect to them, but something that's near and dear to our heart. Your pup, your, your, the guy who they coined after you, Tony Baselli, gets his Hall of Fame ring of excellence. Talk about what is that going to mean for Tony to get that ring, Anthony? Well, I think special is the word, but you, you think about Tony. I mean, I've known Tony and his family for a long time. But you have someone that was the number one pick for a new franchise and the first Hall of Famer to go in. So, and, you know, I'm sure he could be the mayor of Jacksonville, you know, if he wanted to run. <laughs> so it's got to be just a, an exciting time. Like I said, their first draft pick when the organization started, their first Hall of Famer, now he gets the Ring of Excellence. And uh, so looking forward to being down there, to to just seeing the family smile from ear to ear and uh, – you know, if, if you remember, I had a chance to do the knock. That's and, uh, right. So it's a total completion for you. You exactly, knock on the door, you, know, you welcome in. Now you're going to give him his ring of excellence. That's right. The final, you know, you know, you got the, the bust and the jacket. Now he's getting the ring. So I had a chance to experience his family's excitement and just the, the thrill for him when we did the knock. And, and you're right. This is just really full, uh, you know, kind of fulfilling and just ending up and, and giving him the ring. So I'm, I'm excited about being down there. All right, Anthony, this is our new segment, Hall of Famer NFL Player Watch List. This is brought to you by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Visit ProFootballHOF.com to book your tickets to come visit the most inspiring place on her right here in Canton, Ohio. Who are some of the players that you are keying in on during this NFL season. As you know, here at the Hall of Fame, we have the Pro Football Today Gallery, and that celebrates the excellence of the young men and women that are in today's game, be it players slash coaches. Um, you know, our stanchion is to honor the heroes of the game, but there are some young heroes that are going to be walking this golden path to Canton someday. But who are the guys that Anthony Munoz is watching? Well, there's a young man that uh, was over with the, well, Used to be the Redskins, now the Commanders, who the 49ers were able to pick up. Trent Williams, I tell you, he's he might be 30, or 30 close to 40, and he's still playing at the highest level. So I, I really believe, you know, he'll he'll be wearing a big gold jacket when his time comes. I would, I'm not a betting man, but I might bet that he'd be one of the guys. Uh, you know, there's guys that are still have a lot of time left, and I, I I'm amazed by Aaron Donald. I mean, I know he's been in there eight nine years. And he's probably got a few left, but he's another guy that uh, you watch and just amazed by what he can by what he can do. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's up there in age. And then there's a, a a guy that's been you know playing a little bit down in Tampa, still doing it well. Could have very easily, you know, uh, 
could have very easily been the MVP last year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers won it, but Tom Brady, I think his name, number 12, uh, <laughs> is a guy that still continues to really attract my eye when I'm watching games. And I watch guys, and I, and I enjoy watching guys, and I, I'm just amazed by what he continues to do. So those are some of the guys that, you know, are close to the end of the career. I think Brady might be close. I don't know. <laughs> he might. You know, we, we think about the guys that come in the hall and, and you know, a lot of the there's a lot of thing made about, you know, first time ballot. And here's a guy that probably going to be 50 years old when he gets in as a first time ballot guy. And I'm thinking that's crazy to think about that. But those are some of the guys I'm, I still continue to watch. And he's going to be 50 years old and still look good, man. <laughs> he'll be out there on that field at the hall throwing passes to the kids and He'll be zipping them in there. You know, he'll be spinning them like when he was 25, 30 years old. Well, there it is, everybody. Anthony Munoz's NFL player watch list. Um, Anthony, this one changed gears a bit. You spoke about it early on, and I really want to tap into this because these are these life-treasured lessons learned that you're able to impart with students of all ages and boys and girls of all cultures, and that's through the Anthony Munoz Foundation. What's new? What do you have going on? And how can people get involved with all of your initiatives? Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you asking, Jermaine. I know you've come down and emceed my youth leadership seminar, one of my eight programs that we have with the foundation. This is year 21, and we continue to, to, to build a team to impact youth in, in the tri-state area. Our, our mission is to engage the tri-state area to impact youth mentally, physically, and spiritually with our eight programs. You know, I'd say out of the 21 years, the last two and a half years might be two and a half of the best years we've had, even through COVID, with re retention of partners, new partners, outreach and impact on youth. And, uh, you know, we do everything from mentoring elementary kids during the school year to overnight character camps where we take young men away for three days, teach them a little football. We do that, but team building, character, chapel programs. And we have, you know, our youth leadership seminar, which you came down and, uh, and emceed for us. We're back up, I think, to about 75 schools post-COVID. We were down, you know, during COVID, but we're back live the last couple of years. I think right now we have 75 schools registered and we have about another month before we do that. So that's a great thing. We bring in motivational leadership speakers that talk to our kids, breakout sessions. And we've really tapped into a great facility here uh, dealing with mental health. We have two or three speakers that come in. And as we know, that's something that is very crucial these days with our young people. Uh, we have not only do we have the two overnight camps and we have a day camp, which we moved to. Got to remember the name Paycor Stadium now, you know, the Bengals. Uh, home stadium. We hit, Last year, we had about 400 young men and women. That's a day camp, two days, three hours a day, and we have about 20, 25%. The same kind of thing we do with the overnight camp. We teach them character, team building, a little bit of football. And then we have two types of scholarship. We have one that's our straight A scholarship, 18 young men and women, nine male, nine female, straight A's, academics, athletics, attitude, achievement. But a big criteria is overcoming adversity. Jameer, some of these young men and women, they're excelling in every part of their life. Some have been homeless, mom OD gone, dad's incarcerated. Some have been homeless for a little bit. Some have physical ailments, but they continue just to excel. And so we give them a one-time scholarship, 18 young men and women. Then we have our big scholarship fund, which we give in the summer. And that's a one-time $20,000 scholarship where they get $5,000 a year for four years in the and a lot of times that's the difference between them going to college and not going to college or living on campus or not living on campus. 
Uh, this is our 21st year. I think we've assisted over 100 young men and women, uh, well over $2 million in just the scholarship fund. So those are eight programs. Like I said, this is our 21st year. And if people are interested, they can go to munozfoundation.org. Have a great board, great staff. And uh, you know, we got 18 great board members. And uh, I'm referred to as a senior intern. I do not, I do not take a penny, but I'm there every time I'm in town. I'm there overseeing things and involved with our uh, our staff. And I'm basically the development guy. I'm going and knocking on the door. Uh, every all the programs I talked about. We will not run those programs if we don't have a corporate partner to fund it. And in 21 years, there's only been one of those programs that we took a year off because I didn't have a partner to fund it. The following year, it was funded, so we continue to roll. I get goosebumps and I get emotional just hearing this. And when people ask me, why do I love the job so much? It's because I'm blessed to be surrounded by great men such as yourself. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, Anthony. That's well, amazing, man. That's well, amazing. Thank you. you know, again, I tell people I played for the Bengals, which, you know, 50 plus guys. I was a smaller team. Now I'm just a member of a big, big team here in the, in the greater Cincinnati area. And, you know, so I, I hope my staff doesn't you know, I have a foundation, a couple of small companies. And I always use sports analogies. And one of them I always talk about is the bigger the team, the bigger the impact. So we have our program. So let's co collaborate with other groups because why reinvent the wheel? If they're doing something, let's just come alongside and uh, build a bigger team and we get to impact a lot more youth. So I'm just really blessed and thankful to be part of uh, what we're doing here. That's amazing, Anthony. Well, before we let you go, we're going to have a little fun. This is our new segment, the Hall of Famer Hot Seat. These are one-word answers, or they could be three to five seconds. We're going to have fun yeah. with this. But this is our Hall of Famer Hot Seat. And this is brought to us by the Hall of Fame Merchandise Store, where you can shop for all 32 teams and your Hall of Famer swag at profootballhof.com. Use code MISSION to receive 25% off. That's right. Code MISSION and get 25% off the gear. All right, Anthony, let's jump into it. Which running back in today's game would you want to block for? Oh, wow. I know his name was going to, and you might want to help me with his name. I mean, I got one right here in my backyard, Joe Mixon, but the kid in Indy from... Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, that's right. He's tough. Yeah, he He's is. Tough. He's a, I love watching. Of course, you know, Joe Mixon wouldn't be bad to block for either, but I'm I'm just going to go outside of my guys here, and I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor. Can I add one to that? What about Derrick Henry? Yeah. What about Derrick Henry? Would you want to block for Derrick Henry? You know what? Think about your height. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd like to double team with Derrick Henry. You know, I'd like to put him next to me to tie this. Say, yeah, we're going to take this defensive end down to the backer. And, but, uh, yeah, he would be one that I would like to block for, too. Who was your toughest opponent? Uh, there's no question. There's a lot of them. Haven't played left tackle for 13 years. I can give you 10, 11 guys that were tough. But Bruce Smith, probably the, the best all around that I played against. Number 78 for the Buffalo Bills. Corona or Modelo? Especial Modelo. <laughs> Which super, excuse me, which superhero would you want to be and why? Wow. Wow. I think, uh, I think I'd like to be Superman because I like those glasses and the suit, you know, because I like getting dressed up. 
but then I like getting the suit on and, and you know getting after it. You know, kind of like what I did as a football player. You know, I wouldn't say I didn't have I didn't have the swag as like the wide receivers and stuff being a lineman, but you know, we used to get dressed up, go to the stadium, and then put the uniform on. So I'd, I'd have to say Superman. See, I thought you was gonna say Juggernaut because Juggernaut <laughs> was knocking cats into next week. <laughs> and lastly, your favorite food. Ah, uh, there's no question about it. La comida mexicano, Mexican food. Man, I can eat Mexican food, and you know, I grew up on it. My mom's uh, flour tortillas, but Didi, my wife, makes some mean chicken enchiladas. Man, she is a great cook. But I have to say, Mexican food. Okay, so when I think of Mexican food, I'm a, just off the top, a taco. Could you build one for me? What's in that taco? Well, see, growing up, you see, people, you go to a restaurant, a taco is a corn tortilla, then you got a burrito with the flour tortilla. Growing up, whatever you put in a tortilla was a taco. So, you know, it's just like, so here's what I like. This is good. So I get a, either flour corn, put a little beans and some chorizo and maybe some cheese. And it's basic, but it's, or get some fried, put some potatoes, fry them up. Put that, put some chorizo in there. Not a whole lot, but it's just, you know. Wow. Yeah, some wow. fried potatoes, chorizo, you put a little beans in there. Uh, you know, it's just one or two little ingredients and you're set. We just got the authentic Mexican yeah. taco. Thank you for that, Anthony. I appreciate hey, that, man. I'm hungry. When we get off, I'm gonna go upstairs and see if Didi's cooking. <laughs> well, there it is, the Hall of Famer hot seat. Anthony, we appreciate you so much for joining us right here on The Mission. We hope this is not your last time, but we just so blessed to have you here, man, breaking down week five of the NFL season. Thank you so hey, much, Jameer. sir. Thank you, man. Always great being with you. I can say my, my fellow uh, employee partner now, my teammate. That's right. <laughs> Anthony Munoz right here on The Mission.